What's up, independent insurance agents? Are you finally fed up with the massive amounts of time, money, resources being allocated to customer service within your agency? Is this causing your agency growth and revenue to become stagnant or even decline? The answer to this frustration is Glovebox, the premier mobile and web self-servicing solution made by successful independent insurance agents just like us, specifically for independent insurance agencies. Guys, this is the only platform with direct carrier connections. Glovebox gives your clients the power to engage within their writing carriers and you, their agency, in a single, easy-to-use platform. Mention the Insurance Guys podcast and get 20% off of your monthly subscription for life, guys, for life. This isn't an intro deal. This is for life. Schedule your demo with Glovebox today. Thanks. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. We are live here at the One City World Tour Welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, powered by Glovebox. My name is Scott Adler, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance specialist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Saraland, Alabama, parade first team All-American, rivals five-star recruit, he is a fantastic insurance agent and a great American. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. You're okay? Ask me how I am. How are you? I'm the best I have ever been. <laughs> ever. Guys, we've got a great podcast for you today. And before we get started, I'd like to very quickly introduce our guest from New Orleans, Louisiana. You know how I said, how I said that? New Orleans. New Orleans, Louisiana. My friend, great American and insurance agent, Mr. Joe Hallier. How you doing, Joe? Doing fantastic, Scott and Bradley. Thanks for having me here today. I want to say something real quick, if I can. Oh, please. Before we get too deep into all this fun stuff, I want to recognize you guys. I want to acknowledge you guys real quick. You put on an incredible conference, incredible mastermind. When I first saw that you guys were teaming up with Glovebox for the podcast, I knew some great things were going to happen. So kudos to you. Thanks for making Thank it real. Appreciate that, Joe. And I'm not going to cry this morning because where's the gentleman that got me crying last night? I know he's here. Who was it? Somebody I was with last night got me squalling like a baby last time. Who's the server at the restaurant? Problem. There he is. There he is. Stand up. That's my dog right there. That's my dog. You're the reason I do this. The bartender gave you your bill and you cried. Guys, <laughs> now that you say that, I don't know if I got my credit card back. <laughs> Son of a bitch. What was I going to say? Oh, we're going to try today not to bore the spots off of Dalmatian and talk about how NFTs and the blockchain could potentially affect the insurance industry in the future. As my friend and great American Bradley Flowers said, all I ask you to do is keep an open mind. Don't stick your fingers in your ears and be like, I don't want to know about this. This is bullshit. Just listen. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, great. But I think we these two have got some very interesting things to say about how the blockchain specifically and NFTs can affect us as insurance agents 10, 15 years from now? Yeah. And I, and I have something to add on to that, too. Yeah. Um, and some of you that have heard me speak in the past, I've, I've brought this this quote up in the past. Um, and I keep it on my phone to kind of remind me, you know, whether 
you know, there's some new technology or trend or something of that nature that I don't necessarily agree with doesn't mean I can't keep my mind open to it. So I found this quote back when I was on my, my two-month paternity leave. I was scrolling on Twitter and, and I ran across this. And it's, uh, it says, uh, Swiss scientist Conrad Jesner called for total government regulation over a ubiquitous handheld media device that threatened to flood our minds with information causing confusing and harmful results. Which tablet or phone was he talking about in the world of Internet, Google, and Twitter? None of them. This was in 1565, and he was talking about books. So I, I like to keep that on my phone, and I read it every now and then. I bring it up when I speak because, you know, whether we agree or disagree, like or don't like something or don't or understand or don't understand something, it doesn't mean it's not here to stay. And I think the reason we're having this segment is so people can at least know a little bit about this this world. So... You know, without further ado, let's demystify crypto blockchain NFTs. Give give us kind of a you know a thirty thousand foot rundown for the three people here who have never heard of crypto. <laughs> Thank you, Bradley. What I'd like to start off with real quick is kind of a live poll. Can I get a before picture of anybody here? Raise your hand if you know what an NFT is. Well, that's a lot. That's more than yesterday. Well, you guys have been researching. <laughs> it was on the jumbotron. It's on the jumbotron. Uh, so great question. Really, when it comes to NFTs and blockchain. Metaverse, so many things that are just confusing right now, right? So education is such a big proponent in understanding what that all really means. So I'm going to try to keep this as simple as I can. I'm going to start out with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Mm. They all go together, right? We all know they belong together. When it comes to blockchain and crypto, they're, they're, they're synonymous with each other. They belong together. One doesn't exist really without the other. I'm going to tell a story, though, and it's because I think it can all relate to this story. I might date myself, and maybe some of you younger folks won't remember. But let's go back to the mid-90s, early 90s. And there was this thing they were talking about, and you started getting these CDs in the mail to buy Internet time on the World Wide Web. Who remembers the World Wide Web? <laughs> so, and if you're like me, I got these these CDs, and I would, I would buy my AOL time, and I'd go on for an hour, and I'd log on to AOL, and then I would sit there and be like, what the hell do I do now? Like, what does this even mean? I don't even know websites' addresses. I'm going to search some photos and maybe some sports statistics. Then I don't know what else to do with it. But I knew in my heart, and I bet you did too, that this was going to be something big. It was going to be something you paid attention to. You just didn't know how or why yet. And then somebody called your house and you got disconnected. <laughs> and I got disconnected. <laughs> somebody called my landline. Yeah, exactly. And, and it said modem disconnected at 28.8 megabytes per second. So that was then. And what I said, my point there is that you knew something was happening. We transitioned, you know, a few years later, or maybe a decade later, and we started seeing things like MySpace. We realized through AOL Messenger, MySpace came along, that chatting, the social platforms, seemed to be really relevant and a good way to use the World Wide Web. So, you know, Facebook was what created by some college students. Uh, MySpace became this place where you had your top friends list. You could identify the people that were the most important in your life. What really doing anything business-wise, there might have been some really, you know, head of the curve folks that were doing business there, but it really was about social and your social status. And what song you had. And sharing music. Yeah. That was basically the start of Web 2. It was the next iteration of the World Wide Web, of the Internet at that point, and how we can connect with each other socially. Fast forward... Facebook becomes not just a social platform, but a place to do business. It gains other utilities, other ways to connect, sell, market. Bradley, you know this really well. How to use social media as a marketing platform 
And we've seen a lot of benefit from that. We've seen a lot of businesses start and grow from that. And it's a powerful tool and mechanism. So what became, we're not really sure what to do with the internet, now has a lot of marketing and social engagement utility. We are now, folks, at the cusp of Web3, which is taking us to a really unknown landscape of how we're going to do business on crypto and a blockchain. Blockchain had an unfair start in, my, in some ways because it was strictly attached to cryptocurrency. It was blockchain is Bitcoin, Bitcoin's blockchain, it's got a smart contract. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, this is blowing my mind. And so it became confusing early on. Now we're at a place where it's not just about blockchain. I mean, it's not just about social, it's about business. It's about doing things where your audience is. A little bit long when to get. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me. So in in 2013, I worked for a captive insurance company. Um, just to kind of give you an idea of the the technology that they had, that was amazing. Uh, when we wrote a homeowner's application, we had to get a wet signature and then mail the application to the home office. God forbid, there's a claim between the time that. <laughs> Uh, and in fact, the CEO himself told me, he said, when, uh, when we stop mailing applications, we're going to put the post office out of business. But anyway, I was trying to convince my fellow agents to create a Facebook business page. This is like 2012, that was 13, which is kind of right in the time where people really started using social media for business. And a lot of the, even though I, I, I feel like I understand less than 1% of the crypto blockchain web three world. It reminds me of that time so much where I was trying to convince people to use this free tool, even though Web3 is not necessarily free. Let me, um, I didn't do your question service. Let me get back to the demystifying part. Kind of my favorite explanation now, NFT. Um, you know what? I need to stop right there. I had two people ask me yesterday, can you please not use the term NFT? So that'll be the last time I'm going to say non-fungible token. I'm going to take this one step further and I'm going to take the token, uh, token part out of it. His token conjures up idea of financial and coins. Let's just go non-fungible. So non-fungible to me is like dogs, Scott. <laughs> you got non-fungible. So a dog, a dog has what, a very unique identity. You know, it's rare. If it's rarity, it's appearance, it's skill set, it's utilities, you know, things it can do or don't do, it's personality. Let's say I was watching, you have a bulldog, right? English bulldog. English bulldog. Let's say I was babysitting Nash over the weekend, and you came back from a conference, and I lost Nash. Mm. And the whole time you were gone, I was thinking, how am I going to get another Nash in this house before we're crazy? I'm, I'm, I'm going to see the ass whoop inside of Howell when he gets back. <laughs> we call those ass tanglings. <laughs> By the way, you couldn't lose Nash because he's a sloth, but go ahead. <laughs> right. well, let's, say I, uh, let's say I gave him some incentive, and I lost him in the process. Um, I can't go out and find another uniquely beautiful Nash in this world that would, re that would replace that dog's personality and all the beautiful traits that make him what he is. Mm -hmm. That's an inherent value to that. And that is basically what non-fungible is. There's a unique value based on what the traits are, what the utilities are. So, you know, we are inundated right now in, 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 as far as non-fungible tokens on artwork. Looking at artwork, saying, okay, is, is, is NFTs just art collectibles? 
No, that's where it started, and that's what the use case is right now. But saying art is going to be the non-fungible token, the only non-fungible token use case, is like saying tacos are the only food. It's not. You're not looking at the big picture. Well, I'm not looking at the big picture, the macro picture of what this utility can be. So non-fungible is creating something that just has unique value. The value it has is whatever you attach to it. You know, if it's if it's services your agency provides, if it's steak dinner once a month through your agency, if it's just an incentive or a reward for doing a great job. It's what you put into it. And the value is going to be is what the, the recipient or what the buyer is going to see in that NFT. The thing that intrigues me, I'm going to say it, I don't care. Because fungible is a weird word. It can turn into, <laughs> it's a, fun a, can turn into a cuss word really fast. And I promise my wife I wouldn't cuss today. The thing that intrigues me the most, especially considering, you know, Scott and I have a business where we do a podcast in audio form is in music now. Has anybody researched at all some of these musicians that are selling NFTs of their songs? So essentially what they're doing is they're selling their song in the form of an NFT. So let's say they create a thousand unique versions of this NFT. So there's a thousand available. And what they'll what what they're doing is the person who owns that NFT gets a percentage of the royalty rights that the song makes. So what the NFT is replacing in that scenario, does anybody want to guess what the NFT is replacing in that scenario? All of Music Row in Nashville. Yeah, they're replacing the record label. Aaron Farmer and I could start a business tomorrow and slice off 20% of the revenue and say the people that buy these NFTs are going to get this percent of return based on how many NFTs they own. And we just raise money for our company without having to talk to venture capitals at all, venture capitalists at all. And our first customers own a percentage of the company. And because of the blockchain, you can, you can unquestionably prove who owns that product. There's no question. There's, there's no way for someone to manipulate the blockchain. And I'll let Joe explain that part of this. Therefore, that ledger that sits on the blockchain is always going to be there for the person that owns that until they sell it. So why do I need this in my life? Great question. So probably a question a lot of you have. What's really the use case in our industry? And you're going to see a lot of things probably in the next year or two. Uh, there's already agencies in Arizona that I know of, in Miami that I know of, that are taking Bitcoin and different coin currency payments for policies and premiums. I'm not here to talk about that today. Really, what I'm interested in and what I'm sharing as much as I can is the social engagement aspect of it. You know, we sat through a wonderful presentation with Glovebox yesterday, and we've been really honing in on how to build these centers of influence, how to get these networks and referral partners in your pocket to where they are just generating tons of leads for you. But my question for you is how are you going to keep your brand engaged with them? You're going to be looking to talk to them and speak with them and work their leads. You want them to feel valued. You want them to feel engaged. You want them to know your brand and give them a reason to call you. So from a social engagement side of it, you want to now give them an opportunity to be included in your circle. You can do this through fungible tokens. You can do this through incentives and rewards. There's uh, reward systems. There is incentivized uh, aspects of it, whether it's social, you know, to be honest. And you know, I can go all the way back to the MySpace thing here, example here. People like status. Whether or not they're financially gaining from it, if you recognize what they mean to you and your brand, they'll enjoy the hell out of that status you're giving them. And if they keep contributing and bringing like-minded people in, they can tear up in their status in your, in your, in your community. I believe, actually, 
that communities are going to be the future of all of our business models. How you interact with your community is going to be everything. Where they're going to be is in Web3. They're going to be looking for ways for you to engage with them through tokens, through benefits, through incentives. And that's just, that's, and then to me, it becomes a part of not why do I want to use blockchain and NFTs, but how am I going to utilize them is a question. When you think about some of the most successful businesses, to me, they're the ones that have created almost a cult-like following of their business. There's a friend of mine back home, Yellowhammer Coffee. Many of you have probably heard him on the show. We interviewed him several years ago. He actually started that business from a cash value life insurance policy that was purchased with the intention of using that money to start a business three or four years down the road. He's created a phenomenal community of like, he opens a store, people run to it. Like it's, it's unbelievable. And so this is more the physical form of that where, you know, Hey, I have access to this community now. You know, one point I want to make that you and I were talking to our friend Eric Garcia back there earlier and he was yelling at us and, Shut up. You know, and he, and he, he brought something up that has actually been floating around in my brain for a couple months. So when I first started, you know, hearing about crypto and Bitcoin a few years ago and, and I really started thinking about it last year, I was thinking of it in terms of a form of payment. How many people here think of, Crypto, Bitcoin, that sort of thing is the future of payments. I think, yes, there will definitely be more and more businesses who take, you know, Bitcoin or crypto, some form of crypto as payment. Our friends at Jag Insurance actually took the first insurance premium payment via Bitcoin. But I think people get kind of stuck in that and don't look past that. I don't think that is the, the main way that people will use this technology going forward because just the simple fact of like Ethereum dropped, what, $400? This morning, if I took an Ethereum payment last night for my business and I don't convert it before it drops, I just lose my margin, which could be devastating to a lot of businesses, including mine. So I think because of that fact, I don't think we're looking at that as a mass scale form of payment. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And, you know, one point that's important to remember here is when we're talking about, you know, non-fungible tokens or even there's things now called uh, fungible tokens, which are basically they're called social tokens. So you can create a token. They're a fair one-to-one trade. If somebody gives you a token, it's really it's kind of a reward system. But I won't get too far into that. But the value that I see for us as agents is bringing people into your community at a deeper level. It's really not about wanting to create some kind of currency. It's going to be built on a currency because that's what the blockchain is by definition. You have items, assets that are, have to be built on some kind of financial entity or coin, but it doesn't, it's not always about financial thing, especially what we're doing. We're, we're trying to build growth for our brand and, and that, that engagement piece is going to be much more relevant when people, people are going to go where they're going to be engaged. And I think if, you know, you hear the metaverse term being thrown around very loosely. Scott and I played golf in the metaverse the other day. Right. One of the most amazing things I've ever done. I felt like I was at a real golf course. And, of course, that was about uh, an hour and a half before my wife kicked a hole in our kitchen cabinets playing Bar Street Fighter with some beating up people, and she kicked a hole through her. And she ran, though. She won. It's amazing because it really, it makes you feel like you're really there. Have you played? Have you done some of it? No, you I want to take the beers at the golf course in the metaverse, though. That's yeah. You can, like, pick drinks up and, you That's know, wild. put them to your... NFT beers don't carry the same way, I'm right. sure. <laughs> metaverse is funny, though, because... Don't get the hangover, though. You know, the idea about our metaverse is, like, creating all these virtual worlds, and you get lost in this, you know, avatar and, and VR glasses and all that stuff, but... The, at, at its core, at its basic level, it's really about taking where we are now in reality, in real world, 
and bridging over to crypto transactions and engagement. It's really just about how is it, our world going to be? How are we going to interact with each other on a different plane? So why does my agency need to pay attention to this? Why does my agency need to use this? Because that's where all the attention is going to be. It's where all the attention is. It's not a matter of why you should use it. It's a matter of how you're going to use it. How are you going to attach utility and give people value? Why is your community going to be valuable? You need to show me why I need to come hang out in I, IGP, I think you call it now, IGP world. Or IGP community. Bradley, we need to get on that. IGP world. <laughs> on the <laughs> no, but honestly, it's, it's where the attention is going to be. And if you don't think that's true, go back to my prior story about, you know, the World Wide Web. Eventually, all the attention is going to be there, whether you're ready for it. Scott's going immediately to GoDaddy as soon as we're done with this. <laughs> hey, can I tell a Scott story real quick? Oh, yeah. Scott, my man Scott here is a uh, domain junkie speculator. <laughs> he buys domains. He thinks of it. You, know, you actually own insuranceuber.com. And so one day, he actually owns the insurance guy's domain. And one day, I had to do a little bit of work on the website. And so I said, hey, just send me your GoDaddy login, and I'll go in there and do it. And I was like, ooh, I'm going to look at all these domains. <laughs> and the very first one on there was insurancegranny.com. <laughs> that is a true story. That is a true story. And I think I asked you why you had it. You said, I don't remember. And to add to that story, in 1994, I was in a 201-level accounting course. And our accounting teacher said, tomorrow... We're not coming to class. We're going to the library. I have something very special to show you. Next day, we all show up at the library. The librarian's there. She's got the big smile on her face. She said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going about to show you something that you will not believe. It's called the Information Superhighway. And she had a computer, and she showed us, you know, the dial-up thing that it used to do. And I, I looked at my buddy, Tim York, standing to my left. And I said, this is a bunch of bullshit. Nobody's ever going to use this. I swear to y'all I did. I was the I was the guy, patient zero, that said nobody would ever use the Internet. That's, that's, that's who you're dealing with here, folks. That's who you're dealing with. Anyway, go ahead. I'm not sure where to go with that. So speaking, so, so in, in regards to rewards, you have a project you're working on that yeah, details so, sort of this marketplace along with rewards and that sort of thing. Yeah, I appreciate you asking. So I basically holed up in the cave the last year uh, outside of running my, my book of business. But for me, I see, I see the need for this, and I see the need for a value-driven community. Uh, I, my team and I, we created a business. Uh, it's called Nifty Rewards. And essentially what we're doing is building out, developing a community platform that utilizes NFTs and rewards as engagement tools, as ways to connect with your clients, your most important relationships, your centers of influence, your power 25, to get your brand in front of them, to make them feel incentivized, rewarded, and want to help you grow your community organically. Nifty is, we're in private beta right now, uh, but I did, um, I did want to share that with you because we're excited about it and we're excited what this community can be. And I think it's important for me to, to also let you know, I've been an agent, an independent agent for 16 years and I know the business and I can relate to a lot of what these folks in this room are going through and have been through and worked through. And I, the one set of group of people that I had in mind was you, was independent agents. How can we improve? our engagement strategies. So um, I'd like to invite you. 
Yeah, but I can meet with you guys after to share with you uh, how to get you involved in that conversation. Guys, I have great news for you this morning. Bradley and I are on the front end of creating the first and only blockchain for the insurance industry. Now, once we do this, we're going to be Oprah Winfrey Rich. So everybody who is in attendance today, we were, we're going to get all of you together and we're going to fly you to our private island off the coast of Aruba and we're going to ride unicorns and jet skis for a week. That's a Scott Howell promise. That's a Scott Howell promise. If we get the entire insurance industry on our blockchain, we will fly you all to our private island to ride unicorns and jet skis. So. You got, that's another advantage of coming to the conference this week. You want to close this out? And if this really happens, I will be a proud sponsor of big gold blockchains that we can all dine in the, uh, so, in the island. Before we close, does anybody not under, does who here besides probably me up until about two weeks ago does not understand what the blockchain is? You don't, you know, a bunch of people. So I'm going to try to explain it real fast. Oh, this is good. We're trying to, Scott Howell will explain it. Let me get my phone. So, Hang on, let me get my phone. So here's what, here's how we started, guys. Thousands of years ago, he had a goat, I had a pig, I wanted your goat, you wanted my pig, we bartered, right? You remember that? That was like Jesus times, right? <laughs> then we started mining for silver and gold. And people would exchange stuff for gold and silver, but hell, you had to damn haul around gold. And somebody when he said he wasn't sober, right, guys? And somebody would shoot you for the gold or the silver. In fact, the British pound started out as a pound of silver. I'm just teaching y'all stuff all the freaking time. That shit didn't work because people were getting killed for it. Does everybody agree with that? Then we went to putting people's faces on money. Like, who's always on money? Abraham Lincoln and all these people. And we would trade money, and people used to use cash all the time. And then in the 70s and 80s, we went to more of what we have now, which is like centralized because it's controlled by the federal government, but it was more of a ledger. So everybody in here has the little plastic card that if I want to buy that, I hand you my plastic card. You give me that, and then that money is taken out of my ledger. Speaking of, Whiskey Road just called, and your card is there. <laughs> That's freaking great. The problem with that is you had people, first of all, like assholes like Bradley that could get into the back of your computer and they could take stuff. In 2009, we had the banking crisis that the United States government, out of thin air, just came up with $640 billion to hand out to banks. Everybody remember this? To get us through the global banking crisis. So that was centralized. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. You know a lot more about this than I do. This is fine. The blockchain sits on half a million computers around the world individually. So if Bradley wants to get into the back of my computer and change that NFT that sits on the blockchain ledger, you know, every time something happens on the blockchain, there's a ledger. That's why it's called a blockchain. And they sit, those ledgers sit on half a million computers around the world. And you can't just get into the back of one computer like you can in my Redstone account and take money out. You'd have to change it across all of those computers. So every time somebody in here bought an NFT from us, there's a page, a ledger on that blockchain. If somebody tries to manipulate that or change it, you would have to change it on half a million computers. And then I believe, if I'm not mistaken, 
You would also have to change each ledger in on the blockchain that preceded that. Am I correct? You're not wrong. That is the blockchain. Does anybody now not understand what the blockchain is? How many more people are confused? Besides Eric. <laughs> Best description anybody's ever given, correct? God is not the official And it is decentralized. Meaning, the United States government can't just manipulate things and the whatever they do. And the... That was the most beautiful explanation of blockchain yeah, I've ever witnessed. Like, it, it also allows you to prove ownership. You know, so for yes. example, this is something that gets thrown around a lot, but it, it's the most basic example. You know, people say, "Well, why do you buy the NFT when you can just take a picture of it?" Well, when you take a picture of the Mona Lisa, that doesn't make your picture have any value. But if you purchase the Mona Lisa, to take it a step further, how do you prove that that's the original Mona Correct. Lisa? The blockchain allows you to do that. Right? The other thing this too, is, I know for a fact that C.J. Hudson Pillar bought the DeLorean NFT that we sold. Mm -hmm. So so here's the last question, and then we'll close out to you guys. In 10 to 15 years, in my mind, where the blockchain and NFTs, which really is just more of a smart contract, affect the insurance industry, is instead of having data that can be manipulated either by the carrier or one day you walk in to turn your agency management system on and it's just uh, all your data is gone for some crazy reason. Won't we be doing, carriers will be using the blockchain for not only claims, so you have a ledger through Scott and Bradley's blockchain is going to make us Oprah Winfrey rich, where all the claims sit in sequential order and then applications as well. Wouldn't that be a possibility to be used as where this thing could potentially go? I have no idea. Okay. Yes, absolutely. There's a lot of transactional things that are going to continue to evolve, so I could definitely see it being at a place where things are that simple to reference or that available to reference in the history on all those things you just described. I wanted to go back real quick and uh, to the blockchain thing with, uh, quote, Eric Garcia again. Blockchain is not something that's going to be in your face. It's in the background. It's in the. It's like an ATM. You don't really see the transaction. Like an API. Like an API. It's like a backdoor API. Here's another one I thought of. If anybody wants to help me out with this, could a carrier not create, let's say, two million NFTs that attach to a new company that they so Safeco. Uh, by the way, we wrote nearly a million dollars in Safeco last year. You need to go get some Safeco. Could they not do two million NFTs and then control capacity and everybody that has that NFT also has an insurance policy? Something like that. You go right down the rabbit hole. Auto owners will be the first carrier to do that. Who? Auto owners. <laughs> <laughs> one, it's one thing about blockchain. They have to get off paper files first, I think. But, yeah. There's one thing about blockchain and crypto. There's a ton of rabbit holes you can go down. They, they also you're did they also didn't appoint me because we text our clients. So there's that. Yeah. So I'm just saying there might be a way of controlling capacity by using NFTs and smart chain, uh, the uh, smart contracts on the blockchain to control capacity. But again, I'm just some redneck from Pine Ridge, Alabama. I don't know nothing. So, so get out of town. <laughs> guys, we're going to shut this thing down. Joe, you want to, you got anything to say as we close out? I just really appreciate all you guys, you guys are doing. It's great to be in front of you today. And, uh, Thanks for listening. I hope I shed a little bit of demystification, and I'd love to connect with you. Yeah, you guys need to talk more with Joe and, and just learn more about it. Hell, maybe nothing happens with it. Or maybe Bradley and I get Oprah Winfrey Rich, and we have our island <laughs> off the coast of Aruba. But I'm going to shut this thing down. Guys, rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out from behind that desk today. Go out into the big, bad world. Build relationships with people. 
make money for your family, for your wife, for your kids' college fund, for your husband, and for your parents that are struggling out there today. Go make money for them. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. I love you too. Oh Guys, you are listening to the Insurance Guys Podcast. And we love each and every one of you. And we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys Podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at scott at iprotectinsurance.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to portalinsurance.com or email him at bradley at portalinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of our family. And we look forward to seeing you again next week on the next episode of the Insurance Guys podcast. Take care.